Hello and welcome to the Weekly Four, brought to you by Joe's Static. Could it be true? Is it even possible? Uh, that's better. There was a lot of static at first. There was? Mm-hmm. Odd. Not really sure why, but I'm glad that it went on, away. On your side. Eh. I'm the victim of circumstances. The Weekly Four. Brought to you once a month by Joe and Stephen. Well, I think we're aspiring to do better. Yeah, you know what they say about people who aspire to do better. They currently suck. <laughs> um, anyway, we will get started with our podcast. Our listeners have been anxiously waiting, so we will jump right in. Excellent. Um, Serena Williams has started her final tennis tournament, is what it seems, her last U.S. Open. Um, her and Venus actually lost in doubles today, so now that's left is just her competing in singles. Uh, yesterday, she defeated the number two ranked player in the entire tournament. Um, and um, two down and five to go, I think. I think you have to win seven matches in order to win the U.S. Open. So um, uh, it would be quite the story to see how far she gets. And I highly encourage our listeners to watch this as it is historic. As at 40 years old, she is still uh, a very formidable tennis player and the greatest women's tennis player of all time. And I don't think that's an exaggeration potentially the greatest female athlete of all time. Um, so um, very, very interesting um, as this is her swan song. And not surprisingly um, that um, even though she was ranked two and Venus and Serena <coughs> was not right coming to the tournament, um, people knew that she still had this in her. And uh, it's amazing what the great ones can do, knowing that this is what will be their swan song. So I uh, just wanted to mention that for our listeners out there. So, two quick thoughts and questions. One is, they're twins, right? No, sisters, not twins. Uh, I know, I thought they were twins. Venus is older, her older sister. Got it. Okay, fine. Um, still interesting that, I wonder what it's like to like both be such successful tennis players and sisters and what that competition looks like. Yeah, no, I mean, and they play together in doubles tournaments. They have a very healthy relationship. And at the beginning of Serena's career, she was playing Venus um, for a couple of championships, but they haven't had that in years. Venus has really trailed off um, and was never the player kind of Serena was. So in the last, I don't think they've played each other in a finals match in a very long time. Um, and the other thing is uh, you say the greatest at athlete, female athlete, Mm-hmm. Tennis player, like what's that based on? Uh, dominance in sport in their individual sport. Um, the only, maybe not, I mean, Babe uh, Diedrichsen Zaharis um, is also known as an amazing because she was a multi sport athlete. But I'll, let's go with most dominant um, female athlete of all time, potentially, just of how amazing she was compared to everybody else in dominant. Um, kind of the comparison I give is kind of like what Tiger Woods was to golf. Um, and his dominance is kind of what Serena was in tennis. And fittingly enough, Tiger was there last night cheering on Serena from their Nike connection and just over the years, mutual appreciation of each other's greatness um, was in the stands watching. So that was pretty cool as well. And so she's just so much better than like her next peer in line. The fact that there is like currently named the greatest player currently in women's tennis, there, there, even after she's kind of was done being dominant, 
there has been anybody that has just started winning multiple titles even. Uh, as a rank is very good. You've got a couple of very good ones, but nobody has become, forget about dominant, nobody has even become like the majority favorite to even know that they're likely to win. She's yeah. literally the favorite for years and years and years. That's wild. So this is her last season? It seems like this is her last tournament. And then she's going to focus full-time on venture capital. It's amazing the similarity between me and Serena Williams. You know, both of us like turning from sports to focus purely on venture capital investing. I think when people see you both in a room, they're just confused by which one's which. Like people are like, I think that's Yosef Levinson and that's Serena Williams when they see uh, you. Um, it's, uh, the confusion must, must be a hard thing. It's good that you guys haven't been in the same room too often. Listen, when I used to play tennis, my coach used to say, if the purpose of the game was to hit the tennis ball out of the, like, over the fence in the court, I would be, like, world champion. Um, my, so, you know, again, my skills are only exceeded by my uh, physical prowess. And what's amazing is when you did baseball, if only the skill was to dribble weakly in front of the catcher. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, yeah, my, my baseball career, it's very similar to Al Bundy's. Um, you know, my last little league game, I hit like two home runs and then one infield home run, but that was like, I don't know, fourth grade (laughs) and I peaked. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody peaks at some point in their lives. It's just hopefully (laughs) not in fourth grade. (laughs) Uh, I think intellectually I peaked at about six, but listen, everybody, uh, six years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been, I've been writing downhill ever since. So I feel that. Um, anyway, we're going to move on to the NBA blockbuster trade that happened today. Um, Utah dealt its all-star player Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland for a bunch of draft picks, as well mm-hmm. as Lori Markinen and um, and, uh, and um, Colin Sexton, I think. Um, so it's. Um, Utah is literally kind of just blowing up their entire roster, a roster that was good enough just a few years ago to have the best record in the Western Conference. But as soon as Danny Ainge, who they brought in, who created the Celtics teams and um, to kind of walk in and take over their front office, they realized that this wasn't a championship team and and figured out that um, if you're not going to be a championship team, you might as well blow it up. try to lay the groundwork and try to keep building to a contender. It's very similar to what happened with the Rockets in a certain way. After they traded James Harden, we're going to be horrible. We're going to hopefully build through the draft. The Rockets are now coming, starting to come out on the other side with some good young players. They're not winning yet, but um, it's a lot more fun to have this good young players and have a rebuild towards winning a championship versus just barely making the playoffs and know your team is just not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, is that like, is that the only way to do a rebuild in sports? Like you just blow up your team? Not always, um, and it depends on the sport. Baseball, it does not work like that at all. But basketball, um, it seems like um, it. I mean, baseball, what you can do is trade with all your veterans, and then hopefully uh, get a lot of young picks that pan out well. Um, the Astros noticeably actually did bottom out and do amazing in baseball, but. Uh, football is very hard to do also because there's just so many players on the team that you don't get nearly enough good draft picks. Detroit's been horrible for forever. So uh, as an example, um, so it, and um, 
it's a lot harder to do. Basketball is kind of the one where it's done the most. Just because you only have five play, people playing at one time. So after two or three years, if you get some really good young talent and they all play together, um, kind of like what Oklahoma City did years ago when they had um, uh, Harden and Durant and Russell Westbrook, um, uh, Sam Presti was the one who really kind of – I mean, tanking has been around the NBA for a very long time to try to get really bad in order to get a high draft pick because – one player is just so much more important in basketball than it is in any other team sport. I wonder if in hockey they do it also. Hockey also... less so because even though they only have five guys on the ice at once and a goalie, bench. you're only playing a third of the game or half right. or at most uh, 40% of the game because you have all the different lines. So yeah. hockey, one guy can make you really good, but it's really um, – you see it a little bit in hockey too, but I don't think not to the same extent. I'm not a big yeah. enough hockey fan to – to um, know if that's the case or not. Yeah, I know. For sure. That's interesting. Yeah. So, okay. Very cool. Well, um, so I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, we had a similar conversation yeah. about the Rockets, uh, whatever, a year and a bit ago, and it seemed to work out okay for them. So I guess we'll see and, what happens with Utah. And for Cleveland, they're adding an all-star player with already a good young core group, and they're probably now a top-five team in the East. So they think that this trade will help them potentially um, with a couple more players potentially start competing again uh, for an NBA championship. So... Uh, it, it both it made sense for both teams. Did they give away too much Cleveland by uh, giving away all their draft picks for like the next five years or after the next two years, the next five years? Maybe, but again, uh, there are short windows in sports, so yeah, um, you got to take your chances when you can. And all star players don't become available all the time, so so I guess their assumption is. We have a good team. The draft won't be as important for us, so we're willing to make exactly. That and we and because we're good, we get a much later draft picks available back then. Typically, is not good anyway. Makes sense. Moving on, happy 99th birthday to Rocky Marciano. Huh. Um, Rocky Marciano is the only fighter of all time to have successfully always um, kept his record perfect and always. Um, win his title defense never lost a title defense and retired as the undefeated champion at 49 and 0 um so uh kind of really really incredible no um 99th birthday beyond the grave because Uh, the day before his 46th birthday yesterday in 1969 he was a pastor in a small private cessna heading to des moines Bad weather and died in a plane crash at the age of 45. Brilliant. So, um, and what's crazy is apparently his wife Barbara died five years later due to lung cancer. So, <laughs> the Marcianos um, did not have very long lives, um, but um, he would have been 99 today. So, um, but really kind of amazing from 1947 to 55. Again, it was only about an eight year career. He won 49 matches. And almost all of them by knockout, which is amazing. So, wow, um, yeah. No, I had to post the uh, post mortem birthday. Yeah, yeah. And again, it was only his um, matches forty three to forty nine where he won the titles. So he retired as champion and only really had uh, one, two, three, six title defenses, but still an amazing record. Very cool. So Rocky Marciano, uh, apparently so, they rank him as the 14th greatest fighter of all time. So if you're the champion, and you have the title, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you retire, 
then what does that mean? That means no one can challenge you for the championship, but that also means then the championships are then put up uh, for two people and it's like an open thing. And I guess whoever the, um, the title companies, the, the heavyweight title organizations are, sorry, not companies, organizations, um, they then stage a match and the winner gets said title. The winner takes it all. So in, 2007, ESPN ranked him 14 out of the 50th greatest boxers of all time, the fifth ranked greatest heavyweight behind Muhammad Ali, Joe Lewis, Jack Johnson, and Jack Dempsey, which are all incredible fighters along rightfully with him. So, um, And what's amazing about that list is other than Dempsey, they were all black. So uh, it's um, uh, second greatest white heavyweight fighter of all time. Nice. So despite his short career, he was a skilled fighter. Yep. Um, so very, very fascinating. So it would have been his 99th birthday. Hmm. Um, moving on to our next topic. Um, on this day, 83 years ago, was the invasion of Poland. So it would have been Poland's being invaded to second bar mitzvah today. Uh, for our listeners that don't know what that is, a second bar mitzvah, your first bar mitzvah is at 13. And King David lived 70 years, uh, which is considered a, a full lifetime. So your second bar mitzvah, 70 years after your first, at 83. So this is the 83rd uh, anniversary of the invasion of Poland, the official beginning of World War II, and the worst five and a half years of destruction in world history. Um, if only... The poles and tanks. Um, probably wouldn't have been enough to take down the German army in thirty nine. Mm. Um, yeah, but um, may have lasted longer. Dopey. The the problem is, it was just allowing Hitler to build up for six years from thirty three to thirty nine. Um, an army to to re after World War One. Um, and just thinking that they had peace in their time, uh, Neville Chamberlain, um, not to be confused with Wilt. Whenever I hear, I've literally seen people be like, oh, what? that Wilt Chamberlain. Be like, no, Wilt didn't have anything to do go with pee. World War II. Um, Why can't uh, you Neville go pee? Chamberlain's peace in our time. Why? Because Neville Chamberlain's dead. He can't go pee. Okay, go I mean, into my bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Go, go quickly. Our podcast listeners now know that Neville Chamberlain is peeing in your bathroom. Um, By the way, I say if only the Poles had tanks. I think the French had the biggest tank army in the world at the time, and they still were smacked around by the Germans. Well, the Maginot Line was also a disaster because the Ar- they thought that was going to protect them. The Germans go through the Ardennes and then took came across them the other side and started firing yeah. on the Maginot Line. <laughs> so... Um, um, the French, in terms of getting prepared for warfare, they're they're much happier drinking wine. Um, again, no criticism of the French at this moment. Um, um, and um, I mean, the the funny the funny culture. thing is though is that like the Polish army was actually a substantial army. Like it's not like these. The, if I guess it's it's almost like how impressive the both tactics. Um, somewhat the actually not even the technology so much of the German military, but their tactics more than anything else because the Polish army was a big army. It was a strong army. Now, the other thing is, is that it was 
Germany, Slovakia, and Russia all attacked Poland at the same time. So that was the other thing. Poland had two fronts that it was trying to defend itself on, which is not a very good place to be strategically. So it also didn't help. Yeah, being sitting between Germany and Russia, never exactly uh, a good thing uh, for Poland. Um, yeah. So, And um, also it's interesting... What's also interesting is, um, I guess, I don't know why. I mean, I, I feel like I read this, but I don't know, like, why September 1st? There was a reason for September 1st. Because the year was exactly two-thirds over? Uh, maybe. I mean, they want to finish no, up before uh, the winter. That was also, I mean, um, uh, probably September is probably it's uh, the last time to do it before it kind of gets pretty damn cold in that part of the uh, country and muddy exactly and rain exactly so um, i wonder if hitler knew that the british and the french would actually honor their treaty with poland oh, my, so, i guess is he was he was probably guessing that they wouldn't they'd let poland right. fall yeah so i wonder if he had if but if i wonder if like he actually thought that they were going to then would he like what would he have done though i mean he needed to do something so he basically taken everything he could without fighting. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to understand a megalomaniac um, person like that. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever called him. Um, uh, I just, I don't know if you can. Um, speaking of Russia, uh, we could talk about World War II for forever, but this is a short podcast and it is getting late on September 1st. Um, Korean Airlines flight 007007 um, was intercepted flying from New York City to Seoul via Anchorage. So this was in 1983. You could not fly nonstop. So they went via uh, Seoul uh, to Seoul. They stopped in Anchorage. Um, and the airline drifted from its original plan route and flew through Soviet prohibited airspace um, around the time that the U.S. typically has aerial reconnaissance missions. Uh, the Soviet Air Force treated the unidentified aircraft as a spy plane, destroyed with air-to-air missiles. Um, after firing warning shots, which probably weren't seen by the Korean pilots, um, it crashed into the sea, killing all 269 passengers and crew, including Larry McDonald, a United States representative um, um, from the state of Georgia, um, interestingly enough. Uh, the Soviet Union found the wreckage under the sea two weeks later and found the flight recorders in October, but they kept that information secret until 1992. Whoa. Soviet Union initially denied knowledge of the incident, but later admitted shooting it down, claiming it was a spy mission. Um, the fact the incident was one of the tensest moments of the Cold War and resulted in the escalation of anti-Soviet sentiment, particularly in the United States. The fact that this in 1983... It's not like they had a president who was afraid of war in Ronald Reagan. The fact that this didn't lead to an all-out war between the U.S. and Russia when they shot down and killed 260 passengers, including a U.S. congressman. I mean, again, it was a Korean air flight rather than, but that was flying out of out of the United States um, after stopping over in Alaska. So the fact that this didn't lead to an all-out war is kind of a minor miracle. Well, <clears throat> for starters, it was a Korean airline 
that you know the, for the U.S. to go to war with Russia over shooting down a yeah, but there were a lot of American passengers on that flight because they had left from the U.S. Yeah, but that's that's doesn't matter. That you know, I mean, it matters. There, I'm saying it's not. Ground. There were 62 American citizens on that flight. It's a lot. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's still not. If it was like American Airlines or like something like that, that would have been a different story. Um. But I think for that, like, it's more like I can't believe you just did that. But it's not grounds for war. Yeah. Um, if it was a U.S. plane, it would be interesting as to what would have happened. If it was a U.S. airliner that had been shot down. If it was a U.S. airliner that had been shot down, that would have been for sure that could be grounds for war. Um, but my guess would also be that the Russians would have handled it differently if that was the case, because they didn't want to go to war with the United States in 1983. Um, what's interesting is this tragedy was used as an inspiration for a West Wing episode where um, an Iranian fighter pilot shoots down a British airline over the Caspian Sea. The airliner was, of course, drifting into Iranian airspace. So if anybody wants to watch the episode The Wake Up Call on the West Wing, that was basis on that. By the way, that's the other part of it, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, if you drift into another country's airspace, um, especially at a time like that, <clears throat> you know, Israel will, I mean, Israel's airspace is a lot smaller than Russia's, but at that time, if you think about it, the Russians either were, like, I mean, whatever, like, bottom line is, that's the other thing. It's not like they shot down this airplane outside of Russian airspace. It was over Russian airspace. Correct. And it's not an American airline. And by the way, if it wasn't American and, airline. And apparently they, they fired warning shots, but apparently the pilots just didn't see it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's none of this really is close to ground for It's awful. It's a tragedy. Well, um, also the fact that U.S. congressman was killed normally also. Like, if, imagine if something like that happened today and U.S. congressman was killed because Russia shot down a Korean airliner. It would be fascinating if that would lead what would happen if – that were to happen today, here we are 39 years later. Uh, the same thing happened, would happen now. Didn't, yeah, it would be interesting. Um, what was the name of the congressman? Um, Lawrence McDonald. Um, there was a show called, I think it was the, um, it was called The Blacklist. Uh, one of these shows that Tanya watches, I don't remember, but basically there was this this assassination group or like this team of of hitmen, um, where you know basically what they would do is you know they would blow up an entire train because of one person on it. Um, so now anytime there's like someone of significance who dies in something like this. Right, it's sort of like if he were poisoned, people would pay attention. But if he's shot down in an airplane with three hundred other people, then it's like, oh, it's just this tragedy that he was a part of. You're right. Although it's not, I don't know. He was. I don't know if he was high ranking enough that you would think that. But you never know. Well, the question is, what were his politics? Like, what did he do? He was a far right conservative. Yeah, exactly. Um, Anti-communist. Ah, you see, I'm telling you. Like, so that's what they say. They're like. You know, the person on the train is one person, but, like, they're a person that was, like, anti-something of, like, some powerful government, and they're like, I mean, well, yeah, it's possible that you had Russian spies knowing he was on this plane, and, and it came close enough. Although the thing drifted into Russian airspace. They, it's not like Russia had the ability in 1983 to make an airliner drift into their airspace. True. So, I mean, yeah. 
So anyway, you did have the ability to manipulate uh, the electric signal of airplanes. So maybe it didn't actually drift into the airspace. It just made it look like it did by manipulating the signal. Conspiracy series with Yosef Levenstein. That's and can be your follow-up podcast. The truth is out there, and they're all out to get us. I'm going to put on my aluminum helmet. Aluminum. Um, I always wondered why they picked tinfoil, but I guess it's I shiny it, and it makes you look insane. Yeah, I think it like uh, it like um, and it looks it futuristic. It also it blocks. By the way, speaking of Russian. Uh, Russian uh, shenanigans. Do you see this Luke Oil executive who died after falling from his yeah. hospital window? Yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> Don't you hear of people all the time just randomly falling from their hospital windows and dying who are high-powered executives? He was probably just looking to get a cigarette and whoops, he just went right over the edge. <laughs> Awful. What are the odds that that happened to him? Complete accident. It's horrible that this person died. It's just I'm sure of that, but like, I mean, like, be a little bit more creative. Like, okay, we get it. We want this person out of the picture for whatever reason, a variety of reasons, I'm sure. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, like, Russian's second largest oil company made headlines in early March. This company that he was the head of, after speaking out against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Hmm. Wow. What are the odds? This is this is this is quite the series of coincidences. It's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> at least five prominent Russian businessmen have reportedly died by suicide since late January. No way. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Have they all? Have all five of them spoken out against the war in the Ukraine? That would just be coincidence. Um, Obviously, let's happen. not let's not confuse uh, um, what is it causation with uh, correlation, correlation with causation correlation yeah. with causation. Yeah. Um, if you can't tell and don't have any sarcasm sensor, we are being sarcastic right now. Just a heads up to any of our listeners who fail to understand sarcasm. Okay. Um, As someone who has no sarcasm sensor, I feel for you if you don't. I am good at being sarcastic, but I'm not good at picking up on sarcasm. I Even you, if you listen to this podcast right now, know that we were sarcastic. He just didn't fall out the window. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. What a, what a like crazy... Uh, whatever. Anyways, but... You know what? You want to be an oil oligarch in Russia and make billions and billions of dollars? Oh, there's some risk involved in that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, but yeah, for the fear of Russians listening to this podcast, we're going to move on. Um, yeah. Water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. So that is your thing. I think I know uh, this is something going on in Mississippi if I'm correct but i will let you uh talk about what you were referring to so <clears throat> jackson mississippi which apparently is the capital of mississippi officially has no not only do they not have drinking water there's not enough pressure in their water system to flush the toilet um this is a not just a I mean, it's a, I'd say a major city in the United States of America. It's a capital. Of it's a state. capital, correct? It's a capital of state. I wouldn't say it's. It's nobody would call Jackson, Mississippi, a major city, but it's a ca- it's a state capital, which is insane. It's a state capital, and so 
three things that really make me angry about this. One, it was completely avoidable. This is one of these situations where the water system was failing for years and they just kept on putting band-aids on it instead of fixing it. And there's no excuse for that. Two, people are making it political, meaning they're like being like, oh, you know, this is happening because of race or this is happening because of politics. Like, this is happening because of government corruption and failure. Like, government has like one major responsibility take care of the citizens and the government has failed at this miserably third this is sort of like one of those like worst case scenarios to me and i think to most humans like i always tell my kids whenever they say they need something well it's like no 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 you need air you need water and you need sleep and you need food basically in that order because those are the yeah keep going and um, to me, the, one of my big fears, because I don't, I mean, I, I would say probably one of my biggest fears is not having like dehydration, like not having water and, and like not being able to like drink water. And, and I mean, flushing the toilet is one thing, washing your hands is another, but not having drinking water because they yeah. literally ran out of bottled water. So I will just say shame on you, government of Mississippi, shame on you, government of Jackson, Mississippi, shame on you, federal government, for allowing this to happen to citizens of this country. I don't know how unacceptable. I mean, assuming you have it, and I don't know how as many citizens that owned a car or had somebody that owned the car that could put them in a car just didn't drive and leave and go to other places. Where, like, but Stephen, where are you going to go? Anywhere else? You drive. You three have hours. a job. You have a thousand dollars. What do you mean? Checking. Can I tell like, you? Something? Where are you going? What if nobody in your city can drink? And there's no water. Nobody's gonna expect you to show up to work when you're literally, like, dying of dehydration. Like, let's not be crazy here. Okay, what am I gonna do? Keep showing up to work or drive so I don't die? Like, there's priorities, as you said. You need water, sleep, food, air, and shelter, and air. Okay, if one of those is gone, everything else doesn't matter anymore. So right. you got to get the hell out of there if you can mm. for as long as possible. It's actually an interesting point. I wonder if this, like, turns it, like, I don't know, if we didn't have drinking water. You know, we talk about, we've never really talked about this, but <laughs> when we talk about, like, what are the things that would make us leave Houston, right? And, like, it's a very short list of things that would make us leave Houston. But the truth is, you're sort of right. If we could not turn on the water, I don't know, would we leave and maybe never come back? I mean, that's just, no, like, a failure. Never that's come a back. city... You never come back is a big thing because once it's on, then again, it's don't worry, it can run and you leave but, again if you have to do that. But this is the type of thing they don't know when the water is going to be back on. They don't know the oh. extent of the damage. Like this is a city failure. This this guy's been the mayor now for five years. The problem is he was the youngest mayor in Jackson history. And again, not because you're young doesn't mean you're incompetent. But sometimes if you're young and way too early at a job. And you're not competent, it is way worse than being old and not competent. Yep. So this guy started was the youngest mayor at 34 years old. He's currently 39. You'd think that um, that that they would have fixed this, but again, it's not a wealthy city. And again, just because you're the state capital doesn't mean your city itself has a lot of money. It's not a wealthy state. It's Mississippi. Um, so it's um, it's it's really an issue. Um, but this is I why we're part of a. People. This is why we're part of a federation, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, go to DC and be like, "Listen, 
This is the capital of one of your states. No, but that's, that's not how it works. They got to go to the state. The state needs to create funding for this. Yeah, but if the state or is the failing city. you, that's when you go to the federal government. That's the whole point of the federal well, government. Well, their senators need to p- have passed stuff for it. But, yeah. Um, they failed their citizens. Their citizens do not have drinking water. The yeah. federal government, to some degree, is intervening. The National Guard has gone and called in. But this is a horrible, unacceptable situation. And it just makes me really upset. And it makes me upset that people are making it political. Like, this isn't political. This is, how do we keep our citizens from dehydrating? How do we keep them from having dysentery and dying? How do we, you know, like, this is I not will political. say, even though it's not political, he happens to be a so, so this guy, progressive and socialist and has referred to himself as a political revolutionary. Congratulations, you've revolutionized your city. They have no water to drink. <laughs> you may create a revolution in your city as a result. I mean, that's always the... I mean, now you're making me quote Jordan Peterson. Everyone take a shot. Hold on. Jordan Peterson always talks about this. Revolutionaries, they're willing on ripping apart everything in society to prioritize their agenda. But that just doesn't work because... Then at the end of the day, your citizens aren't able to turn on their taps and have water come out. They don't have to flush their toys because instead of focusing on governing and running your city, you focus on your revolution. And now people are completely up a creek. And my, by the way, go ahead. Um, apparently, Michael Bloomberg gave the city of Jackson a million dollars to create art spotlighting the food insecurity. They should have just bought bottled water. Um, <laughs> just awful anyway um, so that is what's going on there if you can get out of there anybody who can get out of Jackson Mississippi until they have and never go and back clean, <laughs> or healthy and clean drinking water again again if like you said if you have all those things there it's not easy to leave if you have it's where your job but yes until the place becomes livable again Get out of there. Um, Go back. um, Moving on, um, your divider in chief. I know where this is going, um, (laughs) but I will let you go right ahead. Well, as we all know. We haven't had a uniter in chief in a very long time, to be fair. George W.? Um, Somewhat. I mean... Kind of right after 9-11 was the last time he really had national unity. Um, was Clinton a uniter? Um, maybe before the Lewinsky scandal a little bit. Reagan was a uniter. Reagan won 49 states in the election yeah. in 84. So Since 1984. So what's that? Long 38 time. years. So... Um, um, yeah, uh, so I would say I don't know. This country was pretty united right after nine eleven. Remember, they they almost they almost made the Dixie Chicks leave the country. But that was they were that was in George W. That was no, that was that was correct. That was what happened to the countries what united us rather than the person itself. Um, he just happened to be president. All right, correct. So this country is polarized. This country is divided, and your president gets up. And our president, you live. I'm here not too. an American citizen. Doesn't matter. You live here. Uh, I'm sticking to my social studies teacher from Israel in 1997. Didn't I thought you were taking the test? What happened with that? I'm working on it. 
Um, I mean, <clears throat> if I was assistant, 100%, he would be my president. But I'm not, so he's not. Um, okay. Once I pledge allegiance to the flag, they become my president. Um, so your president gets up on the stage today, talks about how he's not a, a red or a blue president, but a president of the people, and then starts attacking conservatives. And I'm just he like... He should have been like, I'm a purple president, and I'm really old, so that makes me a dinosaur. I'm Barney. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you just come up with that? Because that was genius. Yeah, I did, actually. Bravo, Mr. Mitzner. Thank you. Um, yeah, like, seriously, like, we should call him Barney the <laughs> dividing the dinosaur. dinosaur of a president. Um, like, read the room, you know? It's just, like, it's so frustrating that you, know, you feel like, oh, maybe things aren't as crazy or things are being a little bit less crazy. And then he goes and does this. And then all you're going to get is you're going to have everyone on the left. Well, okay, moderate people on the left may be like, dude, like, what on earth did you just say? But everyone on the left is going to be like, yeah, he's so right. Everyone on the right is going to be like, see, look how crazy the left is. And the division just gets deeper and the divide just gets sharper and it's just so unnecessary because by the way the whole context of it is like trump and 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 the raid on his whatever and it's just like come on dude like what what value what benefit and it's like now i'm gonna get political you already just bought whatever it is you know two hundred thousand upper middle class votes by forgiving all their student or forgetting forgiving their student debt like, why do you need to get up there and say something that's so divisive and so, like, polarizing at a time where it's already at a high level of polarization? Because the midterms are coming up in two months and they don't want to lose the Senate. Um, remember, it's, it's, there's a reason for everything. There's a reason why he's doing it now. Um, literally, September 1, the midterms are early November. And um, the House, they're losing, that's for sure, but... He, the Senate is still potentially whatever, and he wants to put the nail in the coffin that um, Republicans are, or MAGA Republicans, I'll give him a little credit, he didn't say all Republicans, MAGA Republicans are all bad. Um, so, Which is um, a crazy statement in itself. Yeah, because you can believe in Trump and certain things he does, and not like other things he does, and consider yourself, you want to make America great, Again, um, and and not completely be. Now there are people who believe the elect. Whatever, there. As I like to say, there are bad people on both sides. Hundred um, percent. That's what Trump should have said. Um, rather than there are good people on both sides, there are bad people on both sides. That would have been a much better and smarter quote when Charlottesville happened. But um, be that as it may. Um, yeah. No. Um, before an election is not exactly when. Somebody works to unite the country, unfortunately, which is very sad. And it's like, it's so self-serving and it's so... They actually believe they can hold the house too. I mean, so yeah, I mean, elections, elections, elections. Every two years, this country just gets more and more divided. It's very upsetting. Yeah. The question is, 
will there eventually become a third party in kind of in the middle? I mean, the way both parties are going, something in the middle is going to eventually form that will kind of have to bring in that divisiveness in. Otherwise the middle will just keep growing. And <clears throat> unless nobody ever leaves the extremes, but well, that's the forward party, right? Yeah, but there's not, nobody's running as a, everybody's running as a Republican or a Democrat. There's not many people running as an independent. And so, again, it's in the nascent stages. And until you have a major media and online presence of forward party, whatever, you're just not going to get the views until you really um, have a giant apparatus, not just in politics, but in media, in. Um, newspaper and that's maybe they're playing the long game right which would be refreshing because no one is playing the long game there is no long game that's the scary part right so maybe the forward party is playing the long game they're like look we're not going to win this election but we got to start now we're going to start getting our name out there we're not going to take away votes this time so that the republicans can still get all the votes they need but maybe by the time the next election comes around or maybe it's the next one maybe they actually have a long term strategy Maybe. James Carville says it's a really stupid idea, Yang's new political party. Um, apparently, they're organizing in Maine. Um, so, it'll be, it'll be fascinating. Um, it would be nice for them to figure it out. I just want Nikki Haley to be president. Um... um who knows if Trump somehow doesn't run, she's got a very good chance. Yeah, I think DeSantis has a better one. Apparently, the Ford Party in Ford, Texas, have a national kickoff event September 24th in Houston. Really? Yeah, I Andrew just went Yang? to their website at the Bayou Event Center at 12:30 in the afternoon, there? September 24th. Uh, it's Andrew a Saturday. It's a Saturday. And so I don't think he's going to go. <laughs> and you could walk. Where is this? Speakers will include Andrew Yang will be here, Chris Bell and David Jolly, who are congressmen, and Christine Todd Whitman. But yes, Where's Andrew Yang will be here at the Bayou Event Center downtown. Uh, no, Bayou Event Center is not downtown. Bayou Event Center. This is exactly what people in our podcast keep Bayou for. City Event Center or Bayou Event Center? Bayou Event Center. City Event Center. Bayou City Event Center, 9401 Night Road. One hour and 20 minutes. Of a walk? Yeah. Yeah, it's right near NRG. Yep. It's you near... can walk there. You going to walk with me? We can take that offline because there's. I would need a lot of permission. <laughs> Ooh. As I would can... you. I know. My cousin is friends with... Well, anyways, okay, let's talk about it after. Um, it says it's a six-hour and thirty-minute event. Ooh. That's oh, a that's long good. event. What time yeah, does it start? Twelve thirty to seven. Perfect. Shabbat. What time is Shabbat in there? <laughs> this is perfect. Probably about seven. Oh, glorious! I yeah, I doubt I'm going to be able to go, but um, I will take the kids with. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, moving on. Um, it's funny. Um, whatever, it, it would be very interesting to see uh, what they really stand for. Uh, again, 
saying you stand for the middle is great, but what does that really mean? That's what right. I've yet to hear. Right. So, the trick is to stand for the middle and still stand for something. For something. No idea what they stand for. Right. Your uh, your stance cannot be we're not them. Correct. We're not the left, we're not the right. There's more than unite us. Like vibrant democracy, free people, thriving communities. Well, Rank okay. Ranked choice voting for all elections, nonpartisan primaries. I mean, like, these are like things you'd like to see accomplished. These aren't really like ideals, like, yeah, whatever. They want no purity tests. Yeah, I, I feel like, yes, we're the middle, but we don't free. Yeah, I, yeah. We stand for not being them. Yeah, <laughs> though, right now that might be enough. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway, we're moving on because we don't have that much time left in our podcast. Um, uh, so, uploading consciousness. So, I added mm. this one in. Love that. So, this is a fascinating thing. We're going to have to have Rabbi Sprung on uh, to discuss. But one of the things we were, or I was thinking about, is if it doesn't hurt the body one day. Um, because again, in Judaism, I'm not allowed to hurt a body before death or after death. Um, it should be preserved. But if you're able to upload your consciousness before passing away, for example, or right after death, but it doesn't affect the body, maybe through a port or something, kind of like what they put in you in Elysium. Um, don't watch that whole movie, but just that part of it. Um, and you're able to upload your consciousness up to a computer and then live on. Would that be allowed uh, according to Jewish law, um, as well as other moralistic things, other religions that believe in a heaven and hell, do you get trapped here? Are you allowed to do that? Um, it would be very fascinating across all the different religions, not just for our Jewish listeners, but whether or not that could potentially be allowed according to the major relig religions of the world. What's interesting to me is also... And how far are we, are we from this is another great question. Well... I think there's two sides to that question. One is, um, okay, well, so first off, it's like, what is consciousness, right? Like, in other words, yes, I was actually speaking with our friend Ethan about this, and they uh, and they still have yet to identify what consciousness really is in terms of mapping and all the neurons and all that stuff. I'm I'm, I'm giving a very layman's term about it. Um, but yes, it's we science is still not really under figured out what gives you the type of self awareness is the key word, right? Um, that because separates you from all the other animals. Well, it's not just that, by the way. It's also, I mean, it's also like <clears throat> you can let's just say, let's just oh. say that your entire consciousness is. 3 billion terabytes of data, right? So then you say, okay, well, then the problem of uploading consciousness is a storage issue. So let's just say you solve that. Yeah, you you yeah exactly. They solve the storage issue. Let's go so with that. You, you upload all of that, but that still doesn't mean it's necessarily consciousness because consciousness is continuously evolving. So does it continue to evolve? So then it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's, now it's not just yes. storage. We also need the processing power. Correct. You need to solve that piece of the puzzle. Correct. Mm. And then there's a solve. I mean, it's like the show Upload, basically. Again, 
not necessarily a great series, but the concept is brilliant. Basically, before you die, you upload your body. I mean, you upload your consciousness up to this kind of um, kind of virtual world, kind of like where Facebook Meta is going. Um, for and you're still able to communicate with people on Earth, as well as have people put on um, body suits and join you in that world that you're in. It's basically you're basically uploaded into a matrix type thing where again watch the show it explains it better than i'm doing right now it's worth the first episode the rest of them if you like it great if not don't blame me Um, but does your consciousness include your soul it's as if you're the same person you are right now on the show um but again what is a soul like uploading your consciousness does your soul get uploaded i who knows i mean i don't know i what is a soul? I mean, you at least know a little bit what consciousness is. We don't, I mean, you can, it's the kind of thing that you can identify when something has it or not. Good luck identifying whether or not something has a soul. Because I would say <clears throat> that, let's just use the TV show as an example. The computer representation is just artificial intelligence and machine learning at a very high level that based on the data that gets uploaded. Right. And sort of so then, then you basically, it's, it's you at the day you die, and then the rest of it is machine learning. Correct. And you are dead. Right. That's possible. And so all you've And it's just an given, avatar of yourself. And you've given comfort to the people you've left behind. It's like, oh, we can well, go and interact. Well, it's with an it. avatar of yourself, and you, that avatar may still think it is that person. Yes, but you... You, the entity that was uploaded, you're gone. You're not in there. Well, that's not how the show makes it seem. Does it though? That's the thing. Like, I this is why I so no the show no the show the show makes it seem like your soul goes with you. I understand, but how? But like, they're looking at the soul not as a spiritual thing. They're looking at the soul as something that can be uploaded as data. But if you say the soul is a spiritual thing, all I I see when I watch the show is. Really high-end artificial intelligence and so, machine learning. So the question to me is then again, when you if you can upload your consciousness, your, the the soul doesn't go, then probably wouldn't be an issue. But who's it wouldn't say, be an issue? But you're still dead. No, you're missing what I'm saying though. I'm talking about allowing you in, allowing to technically be allowed to upload your consciousness. Yes. Would that be allowed in Judaism? That's the question. And and I will say as a non-halakhic authority slash non-learned person in the Jewish law. So obviously my authority is infinite because my opinion is fact that and as see why are you going to the forward party? You definitely belong in one of the other two parties. I totally do. Uh, I'm gonna start my own party actually. Um, <laughs> um there's nothing wrong with it because you can't upload your soul. Unless so you, all you're doing unless, is creating a backup uh, unless, of yourself. Unless, unless you could one day. This is like pi. You know, it's like you can assign a mathematical equation to God's name, but then at the end of the day, like if you believe what right. extent Correct. you believe, like it's there's no physical yeah, there's manifestation no or representation. representation of, so it'd be impossible to do that. So. That so is a there's nothing too. wrong with uploading your consciousness. I would almost equate uploading your consciousness to 
someone recording a video diary to like their great grandkids of like their life. It's the same thing. You're putting in everything up until that point. And then it may continue to evolve and they may be able to interact with it. But what they're interacting with is artificial intelligence. It's not you. You're gone. That is definitely possible. So it will be interesting. If they develop medicine that allowed us to live forever, which would keep your soul going forever, that's a different story. Well, then that would be allowed because already in history, in Jewish history, people have been for a thousand years. And again, even though if you live forever, theoretically, something could happen to you to end that circuit also. For sure. You get into an accident. So um, I don't think there's anything against creating longevity as long as possible, according to Judaism, by any stretch. Nope. So you need to watch Love Sex Robots. Um, I will. To. I will look into it. Please watch it, and you have to watch every episode and of all the seasons. I have to watch every episode. I think but so. aren't they all standalones? Yes. Oh, so then why do I have to watch every one? I'll just pick the best ones. <sighs> They're all the best ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a winner at. How much is your privacy worth to you? That's your question. Mm. Um, yeah. Is there an answer to this? Did somebody put a net worth on it? Uh, I can tell you what that number is to me. Okay. What's it worth to you? $10 a month. $10 a month. So, so you get, you're fine giving away your privacy if somebody gives you $10 a month? No, I'm willing on paying $10 a month to preserve my privacy, and most people are not. Okay, I would pay $10 a month. What do we have to do to preserve said privacy for $10 a month? Use iCloud instead of Google Drive. Um, so I'll, this, is a, this is a question that's meant to lead to discussion, obviously. So Google Drive, Gmail, all these things, they're free, right? And right. when Gmail became free, it was followed by Facebook, it was followed by Twitter, all these services and platforms are free in return for the free financial service that they're the free service that they're giving you. They access all your information. Access all your information, etc., etc., etc. Now, I'm we accept those terms when we join. Where it becomes problematic is when it comes to data storage. Now, Apple claims, and if they make a claim like this, I believe them not because they are Apple and they say it, but because they're Apple and they say it. And if they say it, there's going to be 100,000 people that are going to challenge and try to figure out where this is not true. And it seems to be true. If you store your stuff in iCloud, it's a walled garden. They don't have access to it. If it's password protected, no one except for you can access it. And I think it actually seems to be the truth because... There have been instances where people tried to access things that are on iCloud, and it was quite difficult. It's not impossible. Everything is hackable, but it's quite difficult. So the how much is your privacy work to you question is more a function of we became so accustomed to really cheap, cheap Uber drives and free you know, Google data storage and Facebook and all these other services that are free um, and as a result of that, we gave up all of our privacy. And I think that privacy is actually quite valuable. And, um, and I think people have sort of lost sight of that. And 
hopefully they'll start to regain some of it. But another example is also like these DNA tests, right? People will either get them done for free or they'll pay a minor amount of money to find out what their genetic code is, what their roots are. But what people don't realize is that when they're doing that, they're giving their DNA over to these private companies who are in the best case scenario leveraging their data to develop medicines. But in the worst case, and almost all of them are uploading your DNA into a central database where if at some point in time you commit a crime or someone commits a crime and some of your DNA happens to be in that crime scene, the government is able to access and all of this is just this, this, this. We've given up our privacy. I don't know, they still haven't found Carmen San Diego. Uh, well, that's because they haven't searched for her in San Francisco because that's where she's hiding. Hmm. The clues are so obvious. Um, so that's all my point is. It's like, how much is your privacy worth for you? And are you willing on spending a little bit of extra money in order to at least regain that privacy? In my case, I am. So the answer to that is yes, also for me. So I'm going to have you come over here and let you set it all up to help me get my privacy for nine months. Also a VPN. You need a VPN. Okay, so you can set it all up. You just tell me where to write the $9.99 a month check. Um, Moving on, but no, that is very fascinating. I'm not meant to... uh, uh, do no. that. but you're you're 100 percent right it's it's a small price to pay for get a, everything off of google drive i'm not saying stop using gmail because right. it's a good service and it's a good email interface fine and i accept the fact that my gmail is being harvested by google at all times but my private documents pdfs i download my tax returns all of that's in icloud that is not on a local drive and that is not in my google drive got it fascinating yeah. Airdrop your pants. So I told you the story. There was a Southwest Airlines flight from Houston, Texas to Cabo San Lucas last week that I think you were on because this is what you did <laughs> on the flight. No, it wasn't Joe. Uh, he has a little more decency than that. He would at least ask people's permission before airdropping them a naked picture of himself. By the way, this is one um, of these privacy things also. Like, I do not, I mean, I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, people, people can only allow airdrops from their contacts. So no, these no, people I, left digital, it on. Digital pictures of you, anyone naked, right? Like, if you take a digital picture of nudity, assume that people are going to see it. So I right. just prefer not to do it. I don't think anyone wants to see me naked. But I'm just saying, like, it just, like, the fact that this person even had naked pictures of themselves in a digital format. But, yeah, sorry, go on. So uh, the flight was literally on the ground. Everybody had boarded. They were taxiing, and everybody was getting airdrop pictures of this naked man. Uh, they let the flight attendants know, let the pilots know, and the pilot threatened to turn the plane back around if the person <laughs> didn't stop airdropping naked pictures of themselves and ruin everybody's vacation because they'd have to get the authorities involved. The person stopped, they flew away, but it became a Southwest Airlines and a news story. And it just shows you, wait until you're in Cabo to drop the naked pictures. Or, or until you're in the strangers. air. Yeah, right, right. Uh, well, you could still turn around then, but... Um, you know anyway. what? I just went to look at my airdrop settings, and I had an airdrop set to everyone. I've now changed it to contacts only. There you go. Joe. I can't believe it. I never, I did not have that on, but all right, there you go. I think I turned it off recently because I had to get an airdrop from someone that wasn't a contact, but still, go into your settings, search for airdrop, set it to contacts only, and Bob's your uncle. And, and with our last 30 seconds, we want to wish today would have been Lily Munster, Yvonne DiCarlo's 100th birthday. The Munsters is a very underrated show. 
Way totally. better than the Adams family. 100%. Um, oh, finally, something we agree on um, when it comes to pop culture. Great yep. show. 100%. Fred Gwynn is a national treasure Hilarious. of the highest regard that has not been properly, um, uh, that he needs a statue. Um, but <laughs> Mr. Levenstein, Mr. Levenstein, have a great evening um, and uh, looking forward to next week. Thank you, Mr. Messner. Good night. Good night.